0: Hello and welcome to The Found Cause, where we found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right, your left is... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. Hey, Sebastian. You know yes. what the audience doesn't know is that we had a long preamble today, like an hour-long preamble of me and Sebastian talking about completely unrelated stuff. Some of it was on today's topic, but some of it was on um, Presbyterian practices of church order, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sebastian's kind of trying out a Presbyterian church, um, mm-hmm. but he's not into baby-dunking yet. So watch out, yeah, filthy animals. Um, Unrelated to baby dunking, we're going to talk about people who don't dunk at all, for the most part. (laughs) Quakers. Quakers are the topic of today's episode, and that's because a commenter on YouTube requested that we do a video about Quakers. My immediate reaction to that commenter was, do they exist? And he's like, yes. So, okay, commenter out there, we will do that episode about Quakers right now. Now, am I convinced they exist? No, because in the quick Wikipedia, you know, we got to figure out what Quakers are. Um, Details we did for this episode, there's only, like, less than 400,000 Quakers in all the world combined, and half of them are in Kenya. So, (laughs) do they exist? My answer is definitive, no, they are gone. But... If you live in a place with Quakers, um, they are significant historically, yeah. and there are probably 100, 200-ish thousand in the United States still, and so I'm sure if that's concentrated in one particular region in Pennsylvania or wherever you live, uh, that it might feel like they are notable people, and so you have to be able to deal with them. Um, Do you have any more to say before we get into Quakers?
1: Well, I was surprised at how influential they were in setting up the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, you always think about the Puritans, the Church of England, and some other random groups that come out every once in a while, but the Quakers, they had their role to play in the founding of the U.S. Yeah, and uh, let's get into the history then. So
0: we're going to split this into three parts. We're going to do a brief thing on the history, mm-hmm. and I will say uh, on the, the research that me and Sebastian did beforehand, um, some people, when you talk about Quakers, just get obsessed with the history. So I really don't want to get obsessed with it because uh, who cares? <laughs> you really only need the history to know where they are today. And so we're going to talk about the history, but not get obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about what they believe today, and then we're going to get into what do you do if so you meet a Quaker, you know a Quaker, do you evangelize them, how do you approach a Quaker? So first things first, I'm going to go to the man behind the book for some of the history, Sebastian. Tell me a brief, important, highlighted history of the Quakers.
1: Yeah, it's fairly modern. Uh, it came right after the Protestant Reformation in England, sixteen in the 1600s, mid-1600s, under a man named George Fox, like the animal. So it's old. 1600 is old Okay, uh, okay Yeah sure no, no Pentecostal movement
0: Got it Okay
1: <laughs> And okay, The guy is English So it's again in England Remember Anglican Church This is a time of trouble He's is raised a Puritan Puritans are not Very popular In England At the time They're contesting power With the Official church uh, More
0: than Yeah they're fighting
1: Yeah English Civil War style So he's born In the middle of this Civil War And He forms a society Because he wants to separate himself from the Church of England since they were not living in their finest hour at the time, morally speaking calls his new group the Children of the Light or just the Friends Gosh,
0: can you sound more like a cult? Oh my goodness, (laughs) I guess he didn't have a lot of uh, he didn't have a lot of cult fodder to know that that was very creepy sounding but yeah, Children of the Light
1: Yeah (laughs) Didn't know any Gnostics back then (laughs) Yeah Nowadays, they're known as Religious Society of Friends so the reason why we know them as Quakers is because their enemies who used to mock Fox they call him oh look at the Quaker because he kept telling them tremble at the word of God because he was calling them out on their immoralities like oh look at me I'm, I'm shame the shaker Uh trembles before god not not to be confused with shakers because that is a different group
0: (laughs) um, of cultists so uh, quakers got it yeah
1: yeah it it doesn't help they're all very similar so i mean good on him good on him he was calling out immorality where he saw it was saying uh, he was seeing actual injustice in the political system okay good on him and then he the movement starts to become political they are suppressed by the government under oliver cromwell he meets the man but Protestant, Protestant Puritan ruler of England for after the Civil War, yes, but he died, so there goes Protestantism in yeah, pretty much uh-huh. <laughs> in England. And then when the monarchy is restored, the Quakers are considered nonconformists; they can't meet, and they have and they're persecuted. So many start fleeing to the colonies because they have no hope to live peacefully in England. And colonies so are fresh, new land to get. Uh, nobody's there except for the old engines. so uh,
0: <laughs> it's a good opportunity, a good, good time to leave England.
1: Yeah, so one of his friends, William Penn, in 1682, petitions to buy land for his for his Quaker people, and he eventually names the land, I think it was New Wales or Sylvania, Sylvania. Yeah. and then the king is like, no, 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 I'll do you a better one, Penn-Sylvania, so that's how he got the state, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And apparently Penn
0: was like, he's the guy in the Quaker Oats can, by the way. I think the, the the giant before us is that Quaker Oats is a household name. And so even if you have no idea what Quakers are, you know, Quaker Oats is that guy with the funny hat and the white hair. Um, that's William Penn. He's not like the Quaker, but he is. He's kind of the Quaker. I mean, when you hear about Quakers, yeah. you think of William Penn. Um, he was like a big talker. He was like a um, Benjamin Franklin kind of character who was able to smooth talk the many, many different rulers um, and get the Quakers to live and be tolerated from... Um, basically, the time of Pennsylvania until um, he died it was a bunch of different rulers who could have persecuted them and made them illegal. Um, but he would always go back to England and be like, "Please, please don't make us illegal." And they'd go, "I like you, William Penn. You, <laughs> you guys are all right, even though you're her heretics. Like you can <laughs> stay around um, or like nonconformists or whatever. You're not in line with the Church of England." And so he's like a patron saint kind of person in in Quaker mm-hmm. life because he you know kept them alive. Um,
1: but that doesn't really say anything about what they believe. So right. The last thing I'll say is, uh, they are at least, William Penn is so famous that in Peru, I don't know about other Hispanic countries, we call oatmeal quaker, Quaker. So <laughs> it's like, you want to have some quaker? So there you go. I mean, there's their, the, wow. they're influential, so they're, they have their place in history.
0: Yeah. And I'll say this too, um, Quakers get more influential in America because uh, America gets big and important, right? In England, they... Kind of Peter Adam is still around, but like, you know, all three of them. Mm -hmm. Um, In the United States, they get big because they were that big founding group in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania becomes a very important state, and it's got a lot of land and population, and they have good policies in Pennsylvania. Um, The Quakers are kind of like the Puritans in that they have some decent law, and so they implement some decent law in Pennsylvania that makes it a successful Mm -hmm. colony. Mm -hmm. And so when Americans think about Quakers, it's kind of like Americans thinking about Puritans, and that are the Puritans still around? Nah, I mean, maybe there's like some grandma out there calling myself a Puritan. I mean, I, I admire the Puritans. i kind of call myself a Puritan, but not really, right? Um, but my ancestors, like some deep, deep American ancestor is a Puritan. And so in the same way, a lot of American people who have roots in America um, can trace their ancestors back to Quakers. Um, and Quakers were a significant group of people at the time of the US um, independence movement and then during the Civil War as well. Uh, but it kind of peaked in the civil war and then started getting less and less influential mm-hmm. uh, afterwards so you can think about that's kind of typical of the puritans as well as far as like then immigrants started coming in and um, other groups started being more influential in the u.s and because quakers as we'll get to weren't big into evangelism once um once they weren't winning friends by evangelizing <laughs> um they just got outnumbered and eventually they died pretty much Mm-hmm. so they okay. were influential they were big just like the Puritans and so people all consider them like a Puritan kind of group so that all said it's kind of important to know what they believed back then like was this a big basically Mormon sect you know some totally non-christian sect in America or was it just another denomination like who are the Quakers and when we see them today in their diminished numbers are we to flee in terror you know is it, is it Jehovah's Witnesses style
1: like super cult or are they just another denomination what's up depends that's the most candid answer I can give. Yeah, they have yeah. a lot of beliefs. It Depends on which Quaker you're talking to. Are you talking to an evangelical Quaker? So that's a group that decided the probably should start evangelizing people. And then the other group that stayed behind, that they divided. It's like, yeah, no, no, nah. can't look too Protestant. So then they split and then there's some people that doing the when the theory of evolution came out they are like, oh yeah, we should use biblical criticism, higher biblical criticism to study the Bible and explain evolution and we should totally accept it another division and then there's some like, it's got even real another division, so it depends who you're talking to
0: yeah, I mean, if you, like, Wikipedia these guys, you're going to get a lot of, like, every tiny controversy that's ever happened back in the 1800s, but none <laughs> of the important ones that happened today. Um, I don't give a patoot. I don't think anybody gives a patoot about some controversy that happened in 1836 and then died in 1850. Like, who in the world cares about that? Um, what I will say is that back in the 1820s, is so still, you know, eons ago... Um, the Quakers split. That was their first split, and it was between people who couldn't give a rat's tail about the Bible and then people who did. So the Hicksites were the um, social justice warriors that didn't care about the Bible anymore, and they were just gonna be Quakers, um, but really they were gonna be you know social activists that were mixed um, bag of good political movements, but it, the base was not good. They were they were anti-Bible. Um, they were. Egalitarian, so they believed that women should be preachers. They didn't really believe in penal substitutionary atonement. They didn't believe that Christ really atoned for people, and they started to believe that being a Quaker didn't necessarily mean being a Christian, which is always a great sign for your Christian church. Um, <laughs> so the Hicksites, bad. So Everybody that comes from the Hicksites is gross, and the modern Quaker liberals um, are teeny tiny. You know, They're 10% of the tiny, tiny movement of Quakers anyways. However, confusingly for the researcher, yeah. <laughs> um, they own the biggest quaker youtube channel out there probably because the other quakers aren't making youtube channels because you know they're busy grinding oats or whatever um <laughs> so you you research quakers on youtube and you get the libs and of course wikipedia is already liberal so like you're gonna get them being treated equal on wikipedia too um but they're pitifully small and by liberal we mean liberal like not not just like i'm pro social health care i mean like
1: um it got even real
0: we're all transgender, um, we, we let Buddhists into the building, and they all sit in silence and um, have no preacher speak during their hour-long sermon um, of, of nothing. And then eventually, some person in the audience will have an inspiration pop up, um, and they'll be like, I was listening to NPR. I actually, <laughs> on the liberal YouTube channel, they gave this as an example. So this doesn't even mean just like poking fun, it's their own example. Um, I was listening to NPR this week, and I heard a Buddhist say this, and it really spoke to me. Oh my gosh, you know, like that's, that's pretty liberal. Um, I'm not even going to call those people Quakers. Like, they may call themselves Quakers, but clearly they're a bunch of fakers. Just like, you know, there are Methodists that are serious Methodists who I disagree with, but I'd still call them Christians. And then there's like, you know, your garbage Methodist church down the street with the giant rainbow flag, and they don't really believe in God. Like those people. Yeah, they call themselves Methodists, but they, they aren't. They're just liberals. And they're shrinking. So we're going to focus on the OG Quakers. Yeah, the 90% of Quakers that have that are
1: Bible-believing. Mm-hmm. Now those are that's interesting because there's two kinds of those some that have followed more traditional beliefs from going back to George Fox such Mm -hmm. as the rejection of sacraments sacraments or ordinances if you want to call them that are baptism and the Lord's Supper.
0: Yeah, let's actually let's split it then. So in the T L D R the too long didn't read there are like 39 percent of regular old conservative believing Quakers are almost indiscernible from your everyday, non-denominational Pentecostal church. They are totally normal. They evangelize, they have a pastor who gives a sermon, they, they baptize people, they believe the Bible, they're into evangelism. They just call themselves Quakers because they come from the Quaker tradition, but they they basically were Quakers who were formed, again into being real Christians um, and adopted normal Christian stuff. But at some point in those people um, wanting to be more more regular Christian, somebody said, wait a second, This is getting too mainstream for me. And so the other 50% of current modern-day Quakers are Gurneyites. Wow, after some guy Gurney. And uh, they kept all the weird stuff that the Quakers were into back in the 1650s. So you've got your evangelical Quakers, which are basically normal Christians. We're going to give our approval right now and say, thumbs up. Mm -hmm. You you meet that kind of Quaker, like whatever. Yes, they have some distinctives. um, Like they're usually pacifists whatever you know I don't like pacifism we've had pacifism conversations Mm -hmm. before but you know hardly on the top of the list of things to be mad about Um, but otherwise pretty fine I mean they're varied they're very varied just like Pentecostals and so we'd say that you may have a bad local evangelical Quaker church and you should correct them but uh, correct them as it goes right if they're egalitarian correct them on egalitarianism if they're um, pro LGBTQ correct them on that etc but uh, each one of those is a church by church basis they're gurneyites on the other hand yeah, they're 50%. Um, they're weird. You want to talk? So now now talk about some of the weird Quaker distinctives. Like, this is what you think of when you think of Quaker distinctive things. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I thought it's a little bit odd that they, in many cases, they reject baptizing people. I was like,
0: yeah, like, what the heck? Just to be different? I mean, tr- truly, it is just to be different,
1: isn't it? Yeah. And they, they're speaking in general terms, of course. They don't seem to uh, have... In many cases, programmed worship. So like a structure, a structure to worship. So going back to silent prayer, which was a thing that started with Fox back in the 1600s. He was waiting quietly in prayer to hear the, as they would term, Quakers in the term term, the inner light, which is, I would say, either Jesus or the Holy Spirit that speaks to you and moves inside of you, guiding you towards truth and holiness. They've, they tend to focus more on, the, on those types of things. And that really is some of the biggest sticking points with non-liberal um, Quakers. Yeah. Now, the liberals, you know, they got all the liberal stuff. So if you Wikipedia them or you watch
0: Quaker Speaks, which is the liberal channel out there, you will see some freaky Quakers, and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, Quakers are are all crazy. Um, I wouldn't judge them by the mm-hmm. crazies on, on Quaker Speaks.
1: Yeah, for, conser- for act- conservative Quakers that... To take their stances seriously even though they have no creeds something also strange that we have no creed but you do the moment you say we have no creed you actually make a creed. whatever whatever semantics they also hold on to logically continuing revelation from the holy spirit so they make caveat by saying that oh the holy spirit will never lead you astray but the holy spirit is still guiding you in with new revelation today I Was like so what does that mean
0: yeah and that's where uh, so let's get to modern day application Mm -hmm. um if you meet a regular evangelical Quaker um I think you won't have much to correct them on again it depends on their their church so we're going to mostly speak to Gurneyites but just know that all of our normal corrections any normal evangelical correction should be brought to the evangelical church um just like we would to any other denomination to the Gurneyites um I kind of think it like the way I'm categorizing Quakers here is that they are early American Pentecostals in that they wanted to be different. Um, They wanted a revival. They thought that the faith was too dead. And so they wanted to get shaky. You know, they wanted to get quakey. (laughs) And so they they do the burning of the heart thing, which can be great. You know, revival can be great. Mm -hmm. Um, But typically revival, quote unquote revival, is also um, associated with no discernment, because you threw away all the traditions of the church you didn't replace them with anything good and therefore all the wolves come the wolves are like smells like meat red meat and the wolves come in and start preaching a ton of false theology and so that's why a ton of quakers fell away to like no evangelism it's why a ton of quakers fell away in that 1820s controversy to just like social justice things um, because there wasn't a lot of discernment and because like sebastian said one of their big core tenets was that you need to have a personal faith in Christ, and that meant um, listening for the Holy Spirit, which can be good, but can also be navel gazing searching for a word of God, word of faith style thing, where you're giving false prophecies and thinking they're true prophecies, and that just leads to, to Wolf eating up
1: the sheep. I do have an ex- might be saying, say, Wolf, the Holy Spirit would never lie to me. and. All that I've been prompted to move has been by God himself I would say careful with that because Satan can disguise himself as an as an angel of light in Jeremiah 23 I did Yahweh speaking through Jeremiah I did not send these prophets yet they have run with their message I did not speak to them yet they have prophesied so they're going on and on and prophesying but God says what are these people I didn't even talk to them yet they're saying obviously the context is they're speak they're trying to speak on behalf of god but god is like i never spoke to these people Mm -hmm. so has there is precedent for people thinking that god's yahweh not some weird god but god spoke to them and it's like no i haven't spoken to you what are you talking about
0: right and so those people didn't know that they weren't getting a message from the holy spirit they thought it was from god but it was not
1: yes and and also from first john 4 stuck with me beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits, whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then you may be asking, test every spirit. How do we do that? Do we have a certain manual that we could use perhaps to like test spirits? We do. It's called the Bible. So every, every spirit that speaks in
0: accordance with the Bible is true because it's in accordance with God's word. We also have a command from Deuteronomy of the test of a prophet. The test of a prophet is if they prophesy something and then it comes true, it was was true, but as soon as a prophet says anything that they think is prophecy but then does not come true, they aren't just a, oh, oopsies, I failed one prophecy. They are a false prophet, and the punishment for false prophets is death. So put aside what you might think about capital punishment, know that it's a very serious offense, and it should not be met with whoops, you know, try again next time. Um, we're all covered by Christ's blood. It's a, that's serious. You should never prophesy again. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, if we had God's law in, you'd be getting stoned to death. So don't make false prophecy that goes to Pentecostals and it goes to Gerniites. It goes to any, anybody that thinks they are getting prophecy that they aren't actually getting prophecy from. If you preach false prophecy, claiming it is God's word when it is not God's word, you are gravely sinning against God. Instead, and this is what we always suggest, Pentecostals or anybody else, when you have a church service where um, everybody's supposed to contemplate and and pray, um, I understand that can be good. It can be extremely dangerous, too, because you essentially are inviting false prophecy. You're saying, everybody look for your prophecy. And then everybody's like, I don't don't feel any prophecy. And so somebody Mm -hmm. comes up with something. Um, Don't do that. Instead, say anybody... does anybody have insight on this scripture or whatever, right? Does anybody have insight here? And then somebody can say, I think, I believe, like, yeah, don't don't even say I'm being led because you don't actually know exactly how God is leading you. It's getting really close to that false prophecy thing. Mm-hmm. So we would highly encourage that if you have a what normally Pentecostals and Quakers would call a word from the Lord— Just don't call it a word from the Lord. Say, I am thinking of, this reminds me of Isaiah 24. This reminds me of this. Or I think you will get back together with your husband. I think you will um, make money next year. You know, you can say those things and they can end up being true. And somebody in hindsight can say, I think the Lord was was really speaking through you there. But don't presume that you speak for the Lord. Um, As the Lord says many a times, don't promise, don't swear things, and don't prophesy in his name Mm -hmm. for the Lord's sake. So that's a big thing to to any Pentecostals Quakers. Don't do the false prophecy stuff. Number two. So we're gonna we're gonna split the advice to meeting meeting uh, modern day Quakers into three. One is cut the false prophecy. Mm-hmm. So if you're meeting Quakers, make sure that they know that false prophecy is a serious bad thing, uh, especially Gurneiads. So you have like Sebastian's talked about the really unique weird Quaker things. If you go to a Quaker service. Um, normal evangelical Quakers will have a preacher and some Graniates will have a preacher, but like the distinctive Quaker thing is that there's no preacher. It's everybody just sitting in the pews and then they sit there and they wait for somebody to make a move and somebody goes, <laughs> shlam I'm feeling the word of the Lord. Here's some tongues. I don't think they really do tongues. Honestly, I don't think that's a big thing oh, for Quakers, no. but uh, they'll just starts singing a hymn, and then everybody joins in, or they don't because it's a really bad hymn, and nobody wants to. Or they read out loud some portion of scripture that was particularly intriguing to them, and so that environment um, is very prone to false prophecy, as right. you can imagine. Um, so, anyways, so if, if somebody's in that, that's when you'd say, mm-hmm. you know, watch out for false prophecy. It's a bad practice to have in your church.
1: Number two.
0: Number two, uh, the Holy Spirit thing, man. The the anti-baptism. Deal like the evangelical churches of Quakers. I've been very confusing here. The Quaker, the normal Quakers, the evangelical Quakers baptize great, okay, regular baptism. Um, But the Gurneyites, some of them still don't baptize and they don't do the communion. I'm, if you've ever heard my controversial takes, I don't know how important we, I think we overemphasize communion, but I mean, it's part of, you know, eating and drinking of the Lord is part of his command. So I think in some way you should do it, even if it's not in traditional communion style, you should somehow commemorate the Lord's death and the resurrection, Um, but they don't. Uh, I think this is the bigger problem, bigger than the, I mean, the false prophecy is big (laughs) because it's like a sin that's being overlooked. (laughs) This one I feel is getting closer to the gospel difference between us and them, and so it should be taken much more cautiously and seriously because if you are a Quaker and you think that you don't need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit or in water, um, that's just straight up not the gospel. The gospel mm-hmm. says repent and be baptized. So yes, we absolutely believe we've said it many times in this podcast that you can be saved without water baptism. Nobody is saved without Holy Spirit baptism. Mm-hmm. And so if you think that everybody on the planet has already got the inner light inside of them, i.e. they already have the Holy Spirit, um, you believe that everybody is saved. And that's not true. And Quakers don't usually believe in universalism. I mean there's some like big libs who do, but whatever, I throw them out. Right. Um if everybody has the inner light, then everybody has the Holy Spirit, and everybody who has the Holy Spirit is saved. So we you, that cannot be true. That's that's universalist, um, and there's many many scriptures that we could talk about. That deny universalism, um, namely all the people that go to hell. Uh, so the the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an important step to being saved, like it is the step to being saved it's the proof of being saved and so quakers that don't discern that that don't have a baptism of the holy spirit for specifically for believers and not just for everyone Mm -hmm. um that's a that's a very weird blurring of the lines of the gospel and that there's no event that actually is your saving grace it's just you always were saved kind of thing which is pelagian and Mm -hmm. and
1: odd yeah i mean what comes to mind is scripture from the book of john and it's when Jesus talks about, you know, uh, knowing his sheep and his sheep know his sh- sheep know him. Mm-hmm. And then to the Pharisees he says, "You don't believe because you're not of my sheep." So there's two kinds of people: some that are with Christ, some that are not with Christ. And then to some Pharisees he even says, "You're of your father, the devil." Right. I would you that the devil doesn't have the holy spirit likewise judas is carried never had the holy spirit so those people they don't they don't inherently have the holy spirit or a presence or a form of jesus inside of them sure they are in them the, we're all made in the image of god but that doesn't mean every single human has the holy spirit living inside of them right i would say
0: and that's why the rejection of water baptism is also disturbing because well i don't hold the super high opinion of baptism that um others do, right? That are like, you need to be, you know, there's no salvation without baptism, and it's the highest point of your life. Um, I do believe it, just like communion, is a command given by Christ that symbolizes your coming to Christ, and that, that putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And so if you don't do it, what are you saying about the the passage from the old man to the new man? Are you saying that there mm-hmm. never was that passage? Um, that's why it's very concerning to me. So I think that Evangelical and even some Gurneyite Quakers do have a traditional opinion of you've come to Christ at some point in your life and you hold to Him and you, you, you are transformed by the Holy Spirit. But their rejection of baptism makes me wonder if they reject baptism of the Holy Spirit, which would be a rejection of the gospel.
1: Right. right.
0: So that one I think is more disturbing. I don't think that they usually bring it all the way there, just like Arminians don't usually bring Arminianism to its full conclusion either. Um, but that one is the most important thing not to get wrong. Um, so uh, that's number two is to make sure that the person understands that there is a transition between the old man and the new man And if they don't understand that they really don't have a personal faith in Christ
1: Yep, and but baptismal submersion in water So and then Jesus commands and him in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as you preach to the nations to the ends of the earth so I would say that's I mean to me that's a clear command from the Lord like you should be Dunking people if you can in a normative situation, of course, the thief in the cross is an exception, but for normal people the command is get baptized mm-hmm. so
0: last but not least the the most the m- most non-concerning thing to me about Quakers but I think it's the thing that has affected them the most if that can be true is their utter rejection of authority and so and hierarchy and so that's the third thing that you'd use to evangelize to a Quaker that you know personally that um, has been hurt by bad authority is that God has made hierarchies for a reason, and he has instituted them. He's instituted marriage, being the husband over the wife. It's more side-by-side than some would make it, but it's usually way more hierarchical than modern culture would make it. And by no means are women and men equal in their role in the church. Women are not to preach in church, they're not to teach in church, so says Paul explicitly. And so whatever that means for at home structures or whatever else, um, the church has hierarchy. And in that hierarchy, there's even hierarchy not just between the genders, there's also hierarchy between men. So there are elders and deacons. There's pre- you know whatever you wanna <laughs> split your split your church authority, and that's what we were talking about prior yeah. to the podcast starting. Like an hour. <laughs> um you, you split your you have hierarchy in the church. And it's not bad to be a non- official role member of the church that is just underneath the deacons mm. and the elders and whatever else there might be. And so uh, hierarchy is good. It's how God keeps things in order. It's what he's instituted in the word. And so when you reject it entirely, you can fall into egalitarianism, which is very bad because it throws off... the de- Egalitarianism has women preaching and teaching and women are gifted in many things naturally by the Lord and they're uh, weak in many things, gifted naturally by the Lord in weakness. And so they are weak to false... Doctrine. They they just are. If you see women start teaching in churches, it's not long before that church also brings in a ton of false doctrine. You can that's you can see that in the Methodist church. You can see that in Quakerism. You can see that in many many churches that fall to egalitarianism. So um, to Quakers who reject authority, maybe because they were burned in the past by a bad pastor, you have to show them that while there are bad hierarchies, God does not mm-hmm. get rid of hierarchy entirely. Like He has an instituted hierarchy
1: in the world. Yeah, I think they got burned out with the Church of England and the abuse and weird things that were going on. So it explains why they hate it, but it's not good to just outright just reject it completely. And, you know, I'll say
0: not to get way too in the weeds that we already are. There are forms of church government that allow for a lot of accountability for the leadership so that Mm -hmm. they can try to limit abuse of power as much as possible because we as Americans and people in general know that power can be abused, and we're always about trying to limit the abuse of power as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I would strongly agree with a model where there's not one lead pastor, but instead there's a group of like five or more elders that lead a church so that they all have accountability to each other. And so if one of them is out of line, they can be corrected by the other four or the other three or however many needs to be. Um, And that in the same way that if all of the elders are out of line, there are some churches like my previous church that have a congregationalist model. They're not congregationalists as a denomination, but they have a congregationalist model meaning that the congregation, the church body can um, vote over and overrule the elders if it's like a, a supermajority. So like if 70% of the church congregation disagrees with the eldership, um, they can overrule or even take out elders. And so not everybody agrees with that kind of authority structure, but I would say that's much better because it's still hierarchical Mm -hmm. um, while trying its best to keep um, abuses of power from happening. So there are ways around, you know, typical top-down, one-person-rules-the-church power structures, if that's something that bothers your Quaker friend. Um, But generally, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sebastian, I think we would not recommend becoming a Quaker. There's really no reason for it. It's basically becoming a weird historical Pentecostal um, that's more weird and therefore more insular and probably has some weird pride issues for being as around as long as it has been and so unique as long as it has been. And there's basically only pitfalls. Why not join a regular biblical church instead of your local evangelical Quaker church? Like, that's just odd. Or why not Why doesn't your local evangelical Quaker church just become a independent Baptist church? Like why, why stay Quaker in the name? That only invites the weird side of Quakerism in. I think.
1: Right, right. Yeah, must be just you know historical. You know, want to keep the tradition of the name. But other than other than that, yes, we would recommend you know break the. It had it had questionable roots. Back in the 1600s, may have had good intentions, but not so good results. Was influential, sure, in for for the U.S. of course. But nowadays, they're they have in many ways they have become like no, what we consider normal evangelical churches. So, yeah, might as well just join them and just drop the name. Just join join the movement.
0: And we'd also say that if you know somebody who claims to be a Quaker or is involved in the Quaker movement, definitely discern what that means to them, (laughs) because Quaker can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. It's kind of like saying that you're a Protestant. Um, Like, what what does that mean? Um, Because again, I would be surprised if that super liberal Quaker channel on YouTube isn't influencing people to join Quakerism that are really like straight up atheists. And so they'll be like, I'm a Quaker. You know, you might meet your friend who says, I'm a Quaker now. And it's really because they're going through a, I'm deconstructing my faith moment. And they found Quaker Speaks online. And so they're like, oh, I can still pretend to be a Christian, but I'm not really anymore. Um, so if that's the case, that's not really a Quaker problem. That's a, that's a, I don't believe the Bible anymore problem. So start there. If you have a friend or family member that is sliding on believing the Bible, you don't have to attack Quakerism because they're not really Quaker. They're really a... Uh, deconstructing Christian liberal. Mm-hmm. That said, do you have any closing thoughts, Sebastian? Quakers? Oats? No. Cats? No, we have. <laughs> great, great food, by the way. Oh, you know That's what we so- were amiss You know what we didn't say? um Yes, Quakers do dress weird. Do they all dress weird? No. And I think the evangelical Quaker churches don't do this, but there are like some fringe Gurneyite churches that still wear the weird hats and they call it plain dress, which just means dressing like RPing as a person who lived in the 1800s. Um, You don't need to role play. Um, That's just weird, that's really Amish. Um, Is it like a gospel issue? No, not at all, but it's really weird. And we'd be remiss not to talk about it because of course you got the hats, like the Quakers have the hats, right? Modern Quakers don't usually do that, but there are there are some who still do the plain dress stuff. So if you look mm-hmm. on Quaker Speaks, you'll see like you know the transgender dude um, next to like the long bearded hat man, and you are like,
1: <laughs> 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 who are these people? <laughs>
0: um, that's just one of these weird. I wanted to RP as mm-hmm. an eighteen hundreds guy and uh, um, and uh, transgender person, so the liberal. It's not It's not a Quaker distinctive, honestly. Like, they probably think it's a distinctive, but, you know, the Amish are already doing it, man. The Mennonites are already doing it, so you're not even that unique.
1: And to be honest, the Amish can pull it off better, so don't try. Uh, yeah, yeah, you should maybe, have seen the robes. Maybe Some you got a robes. killer
0: beard, I don't know. They still have the suspenders.
1: This is true. This is true. Anyway, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> you shouldn't require people, if you're uh, Bible, uh, Bible-believing Quaker church, you shouldn't be requiring dress in a certain fashion that was fashionable 200 years ago. It's a like plain any- dress for, you know, a medieval peasant. Yeah. If anything, go all the way and just dress like the Romans back in 50 AD. So. <laughs> right. Where's your sackcloth in the ashes? Um, whatever. We won't
0: labor it. That's why we have found our cause. In serving the Lord Jesus Christ, I've been Michael the man behind the machine, and to my right has been Sebastian, the bookkeeper. Thank you for listening. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, you can go to foundcause.podbean.com and download them all for your listening pleasure. That's audio only, though, so if you want to see our beautiful faces or the rest of our reaction videos, you're going to have to go to Found Cause on YouTube or Facebook, which we are there, yes, and uh, we're also on Spotify and iTunes, and wherever else you might download your podcast. So until next time, we talk about something definitely, completely, different. we'll ever talk about Quakers again, and maybe, unless... comments down below if you want to hear more quaker content Uh, maybe we'll do a reaction video to quaker (laughs) speaks i did not like no please no (laughs) (laughs) no no no.
1: if you want to see me suffer request it down in the comments below i need like two requests of that because i really don't want to do that thanks for listening bye bye